So this morning, um, we are continuing with Galatians. And um, I don't know, has anyone gone into Galatians yet since we started the series? Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's like all of a sudden, when you take the effort to read a, like a book in one go, it's like, oh, wow, there's actually quite a lot here. And um, so this morning... I am focusing on Galatians 3, verse 23 to 4, verse 7, which I know is a lot, but I really, really want to read it. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to stand and to actually read it with me. So I know that's a lot of us and it's a lot to read, but I just feel like your attention will be more um, in it and you can just follow along with me. So please, won't you stand and you can follow along on the screens. There we go. All right. Reading from verse 23. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under God by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus." And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. That's the end of um, chapter 3. Okay. So just smack yourself if you're asleep, and let's carry on to chapter, not the person next to you, Jason Render. <laughs> chapter 4. Have you guys got it ready? Okay. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children, we were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Stay standing. Wasn't it great to read together? I won't ask you to put your hand up, but I'm sure for a lot of you, that's the most you read this week. That's okay. Next week will be better. Let's pray together while you're standing. 
Father, I just want to commit this morning to you. I want to commit this word to you. And I pray, Father, that you would minister to us in the way that we need to be ministered today so that we can draw closer to you, so that we can be open to you, so that we can hear your voice and respond. May you um, just allow your word to be a light to our path. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. Okay, so I'm going to do a little bit of unpacking today, Um, and so I hope that you can do your best to follow along with me, but I really wanted to unpack this part of of Scripture, because I think it's so important to understand what Paul was actually trying to say, what the the point that he was trying to get to, okay? So as we go further into Galatians, today we are going to focus on adoption, and so this is a word that many of us know, but what does it mean to actually be adopted into God's family? So first of all, adoption is not a natural experience. Many of us here will know that it's not a natural experience. But now when you think about being adopted into God's family, that's also not a natural experience. We, are, um, we, we don't become a part of God's family by just being born into the world. Okay, we don't become a part of his family just by being born. Just because you're born, that doesn't mean that you're a part of God's family. What it means is, is that you're part of God's creation. Okay, you're part of his creation. But to be part of God's family, you need to believe in Jesus. And you need to believe in what he has done for you. And you need to have faith in him in order to be reborn into the family of God. But think about one of the biggest challenges that us as, as, as people have today, all right? One of our biggest challenges in following along the Christian life, if, in trying to live the Christian life, is that we move from looking out the window at the cross of Jesus Christ to looking at the mirror. God has asked us to look at the cross and what he has done on the cross, but when we are overwhelmed, when we are panicked, when we um, are trying to find a solution, when we are trying to figure out what to do next, we tend to turn away from looking at the cross to looking into the mirror, hoping to find the solution, hoping to, to discover what it is that we should do. So what we do is we instinctively go to the mirror And then we find ourselves completely preoccupied by ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I am not my best advice giver when I am in the middle of a crisis. You know, there's a saying that goes, there are certain things in your life that happens when you shouldn't make big decisions. I think that our lives, we shouldn't make big decisions without first looking at the cross, without first going to the Word and getting advice from those around us who we trust. And so we become preoccupied with um, ourselves and not the cross, and that creates a problem. And so in verse 26 um, that we've just read through, and just to remind you, it says that um, you're all children of God through law-keeping. No, it doesn't say that. Does it say you're all children of God through hurdle-jumping? 
No, it doesn't say that. Does it say that you're all children of God through turning up at church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday? No, it doesn't say that. Verse 26 says, you are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. If you find yourself falling into sin um, or confusion after you have come to faith in Christ Jesus, so you've, you've given your life to Jesus, you're following him, and now you find yourself in sin. You find yourself that you've fallen, you have, um, you, you know, you're in a state of confusion. Um, you need to go back to the Bible in those moments, not the mirror, because what does the mirror do? The mirror reminds you of your past. The mirror takes you back to your default settings before you were in faith with Christ. That's, that's what the mirror does, okay? It, it, it says to you, okay, but what are you thinking? What do you say instead of looking at the cross? So we've got to go back to what Jesus did. We've got to go back to what he says and stop thinking about what is in our brains. We've actually sometimes just got to switch off what is happening in our brains, and look to the cross. In Galatians uh, 3, verse 23 to 24, we see that Paul explains that the law was our guardian. So we just read it, it spoke about being under the God, the guardian of the law. And um, so basically what happened was that we, before Jesus came, we were under the guardianship of the law. And if you were a Jew, you're under that guardianship. If you were a Gentile, you're basically under the guardianship of the, the spiritual forces of the world that we live in. Okay? So you're either under the law or you're under the, the world's, um, you know, and what the world says. And um, the point that Paul is trying to make is that whether you're Jew or Gentile, you're basically enslaved under the law or under the, the spiritual forces of this world that you live in until you come to faith in Jesus. So you don't stay enslaved. You don't stay under bondage. Okay, but, but before you come to faith in Jesus, we are all enslaved to something. You just pick what it is that you're enslaved to. Also in Galatians 3, verse 25 to 26, Paul shares the good news. He says that we're no longer under guardianship or under the law, but that we are children of God through faith in Jesus. Okay, children of God. But in the original text, which we actually find um, in the ESV, it says this, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. So instead of children of God, he says that we are sons of God. And so for many people, this is confusing. But Paul's use of the word sons in this passage is very intentional. And all the ladies said, what? Okay, why? Why are we excluded? But in, all, in, in Paul's time, right, in, in the... In the the time that he lived, sons were the only ones who inherited their father's estate. It was only the sons who could become heirs, not the daughters. And so many people take offense to the masculine word sons, um, that is, uh, which is used uh, for the word Christians, male and female. And so a lot of people will just refer to and like the NLT or the NIV that says children of God. But there is a reason 
that Paul says, sons of God, okay? Um, And so uh, Timothy Keller, um, in his book on Galatians, he says this, but if we are too quick to correct the biblical language, we miss the revolutionary nature of what Paul is saying. In most ancient cultures, daughters could not inherit property. Therefore, son meant legal heir, which was a status forbidden to women. But the gospel tells us that we are all sons of God in Christ. We are all heirs. We know this applies to both men and women because just a little bit later on in Galatians 3 verse 28, Paul says this. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And we will get into why Paul um, said that. Okay. So, and think about it. The Bible also has other references which, you know, could, could confuse people. For example, um, Men and women are referred to as the bride of Christ, okay? It was images that was used so that we can understand what Jesus has done for us or how we have become heirs. Then we go on into verse 28. We will get to verse 27 in a moment. So verse 28, um, I just read about not being Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, men, male or female. So every believer is equal in God's family. Every single one of us are on an equal playing field. There is no division, no segregation. There's no superior or inferior gender. There's only equality. But now this doesn't mean that all variety is eliminated. Okay, variety is good. We are still male and female. It doesn't mean that that falls away, and it doesn't mean that everyone's the same, all right? We still recognize that people have specific skin color or um, a rank or position or an office. We recognize that somebody is a woman or a man, but none of it should stop or block fellowship in God's church. And that is why we are all one in God's kingdom. And that's the point that Paul was trying to make, is there's no division between races, between social status, or genders. It doesn't mean, for example, when we look back at Galatians in the first week when I spoke about the the, the Jews trying to convert the Greeks to first become Jewish before they became Christian, it doesn't mean that Certain cultures can't keep their distinct culture, right? I'll give you an example. Um, So first of all, culture, you know what a culture is? It's a a way of life. It's uh, it's an idea or it's a tradition. So uh, for example, um, a lot of cultures believe in removing your shoes before you enter their home. So people will take their shoes off in a lot of Asian countries, Eastern European, Middle Eastern. You remove your shoes before you enter a home. Now, when you become a Christian, you might still want people to take their shoes off before you come into their home because that's how you grew up. That is okay. That is acceptable. Okay, you can have that culture in your family. Some cultures, for example, how I grew up with a Swiss father is that when you greet somebody, you kiss three times on the cheek. Now, for some people, that might be like, yo, that's overkill. But for them, in their culture, 
that is what you do. And so when I was in Switzerland, um, I don't know, whenever that was, just to visit my gran, two years ago, almost two years ago, um, I had to get back into that cultural way of doing things. Everyone that I saw and met, you kissed three times on the cheek. Many countries do that. There are many countries who celebrate Christmas on the 24th of December, like Christmas on the 24th. And there are many countries who celebrate it on the 25th of December. If you become a Christian, it doesn't mean that any of those things must change. It's just your culture, okay? It's just things that you do. Um, as long as it's, it sticks to God's kingdom culture and values and morals, um, Paul was saying that the Greeks did not have to change to become Jewish in order to become Christian. And we don't have to change our cultures, but we need to um, be acceptable of each other's cultures. We need to um, be inclusive of how people do things and not segregate according to culture. We are not all identical, but we are all one. We are not identical, but we are all one. The gospel has radical social implications. It means that I am a Christian before I am anything else. Do you get that? You are a Christian before anything else. So everything that comes after it is less important, okay? Well, you, you get what I'm saying, okay? This means that all the barriers that separate people in the world, all the barriers that put us into different groups come down with Jesus Christ. All of those barriers come down. And so Paul actually looks at three barriers um, that usually divide people. The first one being the cultural barrier, which we've just discussed. The second one being the class barriers. What does the, the Bible say? It says that it's no longer slave or free. So even though in, in the South African context, classism would be very evident, okay, when we are together in God's kingdom, when we are part of his family, we need to be tolerant of each other. We need to accept each other. We need to live as if there is no class distinction. When I lived overseas, um, in Switzerland, there's no class. Everyone is the same. And so you, it's not maybe um, a distinction that they would be um, needing to work on. But for us, it is, if I can be that frank. It is something that we must not allow in the church. The third one is a gender barrier. No longer male or female. Now, this was perhaps the strongest barrier of Paul's day. Can you imagine Paul telling people, you're no longer male and female, you're all one. That must have been a really difficult barrier to bring down, but it was clearly revolutionary. And so, is it something that we still have to address today? Yes. But according to God's kingdom, we are all one. And so, we should not allow that into the church either. There's no segregation found in God's adoptive family. The only condition that, that, that it takes to be part of God's family is that you have a relationship with Jesus. Is that you have faith in Him, that you believe in Him, and that you live for him. You're missing out if you only do the believing part. You need to live in his way. 
because that is the only way that leads to life. But now, how does the coming of Jesus make adoption possible? So even though it's slightly different than Paul's time, think about adoption in today's modern world, okay? We know of people who adopt. We know of children who've, who've been adopted. Adoption is something often spoken about. And um, there are two things that are required for adoption in today's modern world, okay? The first one is that adoption requires someone who is willing and able, Okay, you have to be willing to adopt a child, and you have to ha be able, you have to have the means to take a child in, all right? Um, then the second thing is that it requires someone who's not only willing, but you need to meet the requirements. Now, anyone who's gone through the adoption process, um, Jason and I have been through it, Tammy and Reece, most recently, in order to meet the requirements, you have to go through a lengthy two to three year process of filling out forms, of having home visits, of having your bank account looked at, in getting references from your boss, from people in your lives. There's a lot of requirements that are needed in order to um, adopt a child. Can you imagine if our, our orphanages or foster homes that are full of children who would like to be adopted, if we just willy-nilly sent kids out, there would be chaos because not everyone is the right person to adopt a child, okay? So there are these two requirements. Now, when we look at the modern way of adopting, um, it's only Jesus alone that makes adoption possible for Christians. It's only Jesus that makes adoption possible for Christians. He's the only one that was willing to go to the cross on our behalf. So the first point was that we, they need someone who's willing and able. Well, Jesus was the only one who was willing to come down, to leave his father, to be born of a woman, to live as a child, teenager, and man, and to then experience life. Anyone 30-ish around here, imagine no one. Okay, sure. This is a very young or old crowd. Okay. Can you imagine... At, at this age, being the son of God and now having to give up this life you've lived in order to pay for the sins of those who are not even born yet. And he was the only one that met the requirements to give us the position as a child of God. Once the process of adoption is complete, the child now has a new position in the family and has a new name, okay? The child has a new name and a new position. When we are declared righteous before, before God, we obtain a new position in his family. So in other words, once we are adopted into the family of God, we, we basically get a new position. We get a new name. We can now basically, our surname can become Christian, okay? Um, but think about it. We did nothing for this new position, yet we can be secure in it. You did nothing to get that position. You didn't have to grovel for it. You didn't have to go to the cross for it. You didn't have to um, check this list. You didn't have Jesus going to your bank account like, like they do. You didn't have home visits. You, didn't, you did nothing. Jesus did it all for you so that you can be part 
of his family. You can be adopted into the family that um, Jesus has paid the price for you to be part of. Once we're in the family of God, we now have a new identity, which we're going to look at today. We have an intimate relationship with God, which I'm not going to touch on today. And we have an eternal inheritance. As a member of God's family, you've been given a future inheritance. Yes. So, when you are an heir to an earthly father or mother or uncle or auntie, or whatever, okay, you are one day going to inherit that inheritance when they pass away. You don't really benefit from that inheritance now. But when you are an heir to God and and be part of his family, not only do you have a future inheritance, but you have a present day inheritance that you get to benefit from now, such as peace. Who wants some peace? It's available to us. Love, grace, wisdom, joy, victory, strength, guidance, mercy, forgiveness, righteousness, discernment. We can benefit from all of that now as heirs to God's kingdom. We don't have to wait for those things. We get to have them, access to them now. But sadly, what happens is that so many of us miss out on these benefits because when we are finding ourselves confused or in trouble, what do we do? We look to the mirror and not to the cross. What does it mean to look to the cross? It means to get into the word. What does God say about that situation? It's to go to people who you trust are in a life-giving relationship with God who can pray with you and for you. And so, come on, guys, enjoy what God has for you here in the present. Yes, we have this eternal inheritance, but we also have access to it now. And so the first point today, very quickly, is that we have a new identity. And so when you look at Galatians 3 verse 27, where Paul says that um, those who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. That beca- that's your identity. You put on Christ. Paul loves using um, this metaphor of clothing. We can see that in Romans 13 verse 12. He says, the night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Colossians 3 verse 12, he says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, gentleness, and patience. Paul is comparing Jesus himself to clothing. And this idea of clothing ourselves with Christ indicates that our primary identity is in Jesus Christ. Our primary identity. So when you choose to have faith in Jesus, when you choose to to follow him, you have to put on his virtues, his values. You have to get to know him in the Bible so that you can put those things on and now your identity is in Jesus Christ. Think about your clothing, right? We relate to each other according 
to, well, not relate, but we, we know what people do according to their clothing. Whether they're a man or a woman, if they're in a certain sports team, a, a certain school, um, a, like, you, you, can, you can know what the person represents by their clothing. And think about our clothing. It means so much to us. Our clothing goes with us everywhere. Our clothing is a cover our clothing is like security. We, we take it everywhere with us. We wear it. It's, it's closer than any possession that we own. I can go without my watch. I can go without my earrings. But I don't want to go without my clothing. Right? Okay? So our clothing is something that is closer to us. So when Paul says that we must put Jesus on like clothing, what is he saying? We need to be permeated. We need to be saturated. We need to be soaked in Jesus Christ. We need to take him everywhere that we go, everywhere with us. That is what he's asking us to do. And that way, your identity, as you start this relationship with Jesus and little bit by little bit you work on this relationship and you get to know him a bit more and a bit more. Your identity becomes more and more who Jesus says you are. The second thing I want us to focus on this morning is the eternal inheritance that we get. Now Galatians 4 verse 7 says, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. In the ESV, which takes you back to the original text, it says that, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. There again, the word son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Now, Paul has already told us that we... Um, that in Christ we neither male nor female. We don't have to, to go back to that. We know in Galatians 3 verse 28, and there are many other scriptures which you can look up in your own time. Um, this, this has nothing to do with, with salvation, okay? So in saying that the believers are sons, what God is doing is he's guaranteeing, he's guaranteeing that the promised inheritance is for all of his adopted children, male or female. By calling us sons to how the Galatians in that time understood inheritance and being an heir, and so therefore calling us sons but saying we all won, it helped them understand what he was saying about inheriting the kingdom of God. And so therefore, we are all sons, just as, as the same as we are all the, uh, the bride, right? Okay, let's move on. Now, in uh, Paul's day, in the Roman um, times, adoption was actually very common. And um, the, the, the Romans tended to have small families. And so if they only had daughters, they had a problem. Who am I going to leave my estate to? Because, of course, in those days, you left it to a son. So they would adopt someone, either a slave or someone, into their family who would become the heir to the father's estate. Okay? They would sometimes, as I was researching this, they would adopt sometimes even adults to take on the father's estate. And um, they needed a suitable heir, and so the adopted person would leave their old life and their name behind, 
Okay, so you're no longer that, you leave that behind and become a member of the new family and so therefore fall under that father's authority. And that is the picture that Paul uses to describe what God has done for us. But not because he needed an heir. Okay, God, God didn't do, send Jesus because he needed an heir. He did it because he wanted to make a way for us to be with him. He wanted to make a way for us to be part of his family, for us to be adopted and inherit what he has for us. And so God delivered you. He paid the price for um, your freedom by sending uh, Jesus. He paid the price. He then adopted us by making us part of his family. And now we get to call him Abba Father. That is one of the most intimate expressions of love to God, to call him Abba, Father. When you were little, unless you came from like a military family, you very likely called your father daddy, then dad, then hey you, you know, today's world, anything's possible. But, but the most intimate thing is to say Abba, Father, and so he's actually saying to you, you can do that. You have the right to say, Abba, Father. And now we are, an, we are heirs to his kingdom. I love Romans 8, verse 15 to 17. It says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Together with Christ. Together. But if you are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. That part we don't like to read. But everyone said, amen. So, to wrap up. The Father sent the Son, all God and all man, to be born of a woman, to live among us, okay, to purchase us, please listen to this, to purchase us from the orphanage of sin. When we are under the law, when we are under the forces of this world, we are in an orphanage of sin. It doesn't matter where you live now, what you are doing who you are, if you are man or woman, if you are single, married, divorced, widowed, none of that matters when you are in a relationship with Jesus, when you have faith in Jesus Christ, because you are part of his kingdom, you are adopted into his family, but when you have not accepted Jesus, you are an orphanage, you are in an orphanage of sin, you are separated from the Father. So God purchased us to redeem us, to set us free, to adopt us as his own son or daughter. If you have put your faith 
in Jesus, you need to remember who you are. If you've put your faith in Jesus, so only you can answer that question. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you need to remember who you are. You are an heir of the King. The King of King, the Lord of Lords. And so you are not who the devil says you are. You are not who your past says you are. So stop looking in the mirror. If every time I got up and reminded myself of what my past was, I would be a a one-year-old Christian 25 times over. Do you want to be a one-year-old Christian 25 times over? So stop looking in the mirror. Everyone has a past. Maybe you were bound by religion, or maybe you were in bondage to to drugs, to alcohol, to relationship after relationship after relationship. Okay, maybe you were bound by those things. But don't allow that past to control your present and to ruin your future. Because when you're so busy looking in the mirror, you cannot see where you're going. But when you're looking out the window at the cross, You can see ahead. You can see the road God's taking you down. You can see where you're going. You can see left and you can see right what he's bringing into your life. But when you are focused on yourself with a mirror in front of you, you you miss out on all of that. You miss out on all those things. Jesus was born under the law and he kept the law. He did what you and I cannot do and will never be able to do. You are delivered. You are forgiven. You are free because of faith in Jesus. And this morning, if your faith is not in Jesus, I want to encourage you to seek Him. I want to encourage you to ask Him to be the Lord of your life so that your faith can be in Him, so that you can become a child of God and an heir to the kingdom. He accepts us and He adopts us, not based on our height, on our weight, on our skin tone, on the way we dress, on what we do. None of that matters. It's all based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's what it's based on. And so when you are struggling with something, when you are overcome with anxiety, with fear, with needing to make a huge decision. Just remember whose you are and who you are. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, you are an adopted heir and you have all the rights to everything that the Father has given. And so this morning, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray that you will have this revelation of what it is to be an adopted child of His kingdom. So won't you please close your eyes and and if you can relate to that this morning, if you find that you've been looking in the mirror, if you find that you've been trying to solve the problem and get to God by good deeds or by by the internet in, in, in what I do in this situation and going to people who are not Christ followers, if you find yourself in that position, won't you just speak to God right now? 
and ask Him to help you to keep your eyes on the cross, to help to keep your eyes on faith in Jesus Christ who makes you a child of God. So Father,